The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, November 9th, and the Philadelphia Eagles are now 3-6 and six after they fell to the LA Chargers 27-24 to 24 Week 9. On today's episode, we, got, we are going to recap that Week 9 loss. We're also going to touch on what we saw from Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. We're going to preview Week 10 when the Eagles head to Denver to play the Broncos. And we're also going to touch on a little bit of college football is something that we usually don't do. So we're going to switch it up a little bit today, but don't forget to rate, leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram at bleeding green Insta, follow us on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. And before we even get anything uh, really started. Oz and End Zones with Seamus and Zoe will be recording a live show on Saturday, November 13th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Mitchell and Ness on 1306 Walnut Street. So feel free to shop by, uh, stop by and show them some love. Um, but yes, I am your host, Rachel Prevet, and I am joined by the best co-host in the universe, Fun fact, many people have told me that they wish they had a co-host like mine, so I'm just honored. But the one and only QB expert, Mark Schofield. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, Rachelle. And interestingly enough, I've had many people tell me to get a co-host like you. You know, and if they had a co-host like you, they'd feel a lot better about their lives. So, you know, it's nothing but love on this side of the show, too. And excited to be here. As the gentle listeners that are watching can see, I have another Yes. quarterback jersey on this one just arrived yesterday this is from arguably one of my favorite movies of all time it's a movie from the 80s called the best of times okay. if you haven't seen it it's fantastic it's absolutely okay. fantastic robin williams plays jack dundee okay and he's now middle-aged and he can't get over the last high school game he played because his high school team taft had a chance to beat Bakersfield. They're huge rivals, the big town. Taft was a little small town, but they finally had a good team. But Jack Dundee, played by Robert Williams, drops what would have been the game-winning touchdown, and he can't get over it. He works at a bank. He's, he's married to the son of a huge Bakersfield booster who has, like, paintings of Bakersfield football all around the office. He, he has to think about it every single day. And so he has this idea as a washed-up, middle-aged banker that I know. We'll get everybody back together. We'll play this game again. I know we're all in our 40s. We've got bad knees and everything, but we're going to play this game again. And so I'm wearing the shirt of Taft quarterback Reno Hightower, played by Kurt Russell. 
And Russell was, I mean, Rio Hightower, fantastic quarterback. He was known for wearing his white shoes. And, you know, <laughs> so they actually, Robin Williams' character convinces everybody to play this game again. And so it's one of my favorite movies. And I, I do want to have a quote from that movie to start things off. And it's it starts with Rito Hightower, Kurt Russell's character, talking with Jack Dundee, Robin Williams' character about, you know, trying to play this game. And, and Kurt Russell's character starts it off. I was never great. I was pretty good. I was great for a round here. Every year I get better. The people remember me in my prime. The kids always ask me about the six touchdown passes against Porterville. Hell, I only threw three touchdowns. Jack Dundee, it was seven. Reno Hightower, I'm not going to argue. I like the idea of seven better. In a couple more years, it will be eight. I get better with age. My knees are killing me. I'm slow. That's why you didn't want to play the game. And here's the part that I really like. No, I just, I didn't want to destroy the only good thing I've got left these stories about how great I was. And I absolutely love that. And Rachel, I saw this movie for the first time when I was like 12 or something. And okay. I didn't get that line. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that line until I was like in my thirties and forties, because yeah, the glory days, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get better with age. Like I threw, I think 12 touchdown passes my senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. It was uh, now it's up to like 16. Similar to that, by the time I'm in my 50s, I'll be telling my kids, oh, yeah. I threw 25 <laughs> touchdown passes. I was showing my kids last night, Wesley University uh, put on Instagram, like this this panoramic of um, Andrews Field, the like main okay. quad where the football field gets set up. And I was showing the kids, this is where my dorm room was. Aww. Like, this is the view I had <laughs> over the quad. And, you know, this was the library where we'd play. And mm -hmm. you could see students like sitting in the library because it had these huge three-story windows overlooking the field. Okay. You know, as you as you get older, you'll 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 see, understand this when you when you start to get older. But as somebody that's in his middle ages now, like I, I, I get it. So that line sort of hit me. So if you haven't seen The Best of Times, find a way to fall, find a way to watch it. it it's a fun it. little movie. OK, it sounds good. I'm going to check yeah. it out. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. I like that quote. I chose with uh, song lyrics like every other episode. But um these song lyrics came from The Climb by Miley Cyrus. And it says, um, always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm going to have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's The Climb. I think we all know that Sunday was a winnable game for the yeah. Eagles. Like they held their own up against the Chargers when they were, you know, ruled. like um, the underdogs going in. A lot of people didn't really expect much of them, but they actually had a really nice performance. And specifically, like seeing that the running game these past two games has like worked very well for yeah. the Eagles. It took us a long time to get here, but I feel like it's part of the journey. So we know like right now, offensively, the running game is working in our favor. We're still, you know, need to be making improvements when it comes to the defense. Yes, but it's like, it's all about the journey. Like we're right. making steps, we're making strides. So Yes, that's it's about the climb. No, I love that. I love that ratio. It wasn't this year supposed to be about the journey, the climb. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I feel that sums up what this year is going to eventually be all about. And yeah, you know, I, I know we're going to talk about Jalen Hurts, but I, I think you're right about the run game. And if people haven't read it yet, um, Fran Duffy has a great piece on PhiladelphiaEagles.com right now about okay. sort of the offensive identity. Um, mm -hmm. And he points out over the last two weeks, the Eagles have run the ball at a higher rate than any team in the NFL, 63.9% of their plays. But they lead the league right now with 14 10-plus yardage runs. Okay. And during this stretch, the Eagles rank sixth in play action passing rate over the last two weeks. Jalen Hurts is 10 of 12 okay. throwing off of play action over the last two weeks. And they've gotten a bit more downfield in the passing game. Mm -hmm. They lead the league in 
throws of uh, downfield throws 20 yards or more, 21.2% in the past two weeks. Like we've talked a lot, right, about offensive identity. Yeah. Maybe they've finally sort of figured one out, run the ball, throw downfield off Mm -hmm. of play action. You know, you start to wonder, is Nick Sirianni looking at teams like Cleveland, you know, teams like even the Minnesota Vikings, Mm -hmm. play action, throwing downfield off of the play action. Maybe that's their offensive identity. I mean, it definitely feels good. It seems like, you know, the puzzle pieces are getting put together offensively. Like I said, defense is a whole nother ballgame. But offensively, like it feels good seeing like something that's working well for them. No, so I mean that that part is good to see. And yeah. but then we get to the Hurts question. And yes. this is the question that won't go away. And mm-hmm. I think invoking those teams, say Minnesota, Cleveland, it gets us to what might ultimately be the question about quarterbacks in general and Jalen Hurts in particular. That is, mm-hmm. is he a quarterback you win with or a quarterback you win because of? And oh. I often look at quarterbacks through that sort of prism, right? And okay. a lot of people do that. And I think it's a good way to sort of look at them, tier them instead of sort of ranking them, and then decide, okay, is this this is this something we can work with? And the way I sort of define it, and I think most people define it, is this way. The quarterbacks you win with, right? You have to put a good offense around them. You have to put weapons around them. You have to put them in the right scheme. They're not going to transcend that. They're not going to – make that sort of three to five throws per game that they just put the team on their back. You have to have the right offense around them. You have to have the right scheme around them. You have to have the right players and coaching and everything around them, but you can win games with them and you can make playoff runs with them. Think about a prime example, Jared Goff with the Rams, right? Like Sean McVay had to do so much with play action, with, with concepts, with run game. He had to get them to the line of scrimmage before the radio and Goff's helmet cut out so he could keep telling them, hey, look, there are this coverage, there and that coverage, there in this front. Like He had to basically, to use the words of my friend Seth Galina at Pro Football Focus, McVay had to be a QB puppeteer. Like He had to like sort of pull the strains and make Jared Goff a serviceable quarterback. Now we're seeing what Jared Goff looks like in Detroit. You know, another example might be Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield. These are guys that you have to put the right offense around them. Is that ultimately what we're seeing develop with Jalen Hurts over these past two weeks? The play action, throwing out of heavy personnel, a focus Mm -hmm. on running the football. Are you sort of seeing them prop up Hurts, which would make you think, okay, he's a guy that you win with. Mm -hmm. Then there are quarterbacks you win because of, right? And Look, you can think who they are, like Russell yeah. Wilson, Aaron yeah. Rodgers, you know, Tom Brady. Yep. Like even you can make a case, Justin Herbert, for example. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that, yeah, maybe things might not be perfect around them at times, but they'll find ways to overcome it. They'll make those three to five throws per game. Look mm-hmm. at Sunday. You had Hertz played well at times, did some nice things, had some misses. The mm-hmm. miss to Smith, the miss to Goddard, the people want to point to. Yeah. Like the, the guys you win games because of, they hit those throws. Justin mm-hmm. Herbert hit some of those throws. You know, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert had the game winning drive. I mean, that's ultimately the difference between good quarterbacks and great quarterbacks. Now, Hurts can be a good quarterback that you win games with, and the Eagles might decide, looking around the landscape, free agency, the draft, that we're going to build it around him and sort of we'll win games with him because we're afraid of, you know, trying to re- redo the quarterback position. But that sometimes the line between winning a Super Bowl and making it to the playoffs is do you have the guy you win games because of or the guy you win games with? I think that's an excellent way to put it. And I think the examples that she gave were like spot on. So 
it's still early in her yeah. career and we're still figuring him out as of right. And he could maybe become that type, like the Tom Brady, like you right. mentioned, but as of right now, it's definitely about putting pieces around him to help him learn and excel and become whatever he's supposed to be. Um, but uh, taking a look at his performance against the Chargers, uh, he was 11 of 17 for 162 yards with one touchdown. Um, and I had a, found a quote that I thought was like actually really, really in interesting. You might have seen it. Um, the Eagles announcer, uh, Merrill Reese. Yep. He called into WIP to defend Hurts. And this is what he said. He said, to blame this game on Jalen Hurts is insane. Yes, he missed a couple of passes, but that kid is getting better and better. They criticize him for not being accurate enough in the pocket, but he put the ball into some small windows for Devontae Smith. He threw bullseyes. Then to see the athleticism, he did amazing things, and then he takes the blame in the locker room. He has a great attitude. He's a leader. I think this kid has a very high ceiling. And if you're going to be continue to be patient with him and you realize he's only started 13 games, he's going to be just fine. And when I was reading this, I was like, of course, you know, I'm team hurt. So I'm going to defend him to the end. But the best way I can compare it is like um, if we think about it, how old is Jalen Hurts? He's not even 25 years old yet. Right. And sometimes we forget like. Yes, he's in the NFL and we have like these high expectations for these professional athletes, but like compare it to like any other human who's starting their full time job, like their first full time job. Like nobody, your manager is not expecting you to be an expert because it's like your rookie year, your first time in that role is your time to make those mistakes. We're seeing him, you know, make strides. Yes, he's going to continue to make mistakes because this is technically still his rookie year, but I feel like. Like uh, Reese said, if we continue to be patient with him, like I think he's going to go far. And that's part of it is just the patience and continuing to allow him to develop because he's going to make the mistakes. But I feel like it's important when we see less and less of the mistakes. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that you brought up sort of the real life analogy and parallel to this because you're right. We get so caught up in oh we expect these guys to be great out of the gate we expect these guys to transition to the nfl extremely well we expect great things from them they're 24 they're 25 for, for a lot of these guys that are coming out like especially rookies right you finish your college season you start draft prep it's a whirlwind it's the world's longest strangest job interview you get drafted and then you're in rookie mini camp and otas and it for some of them they're figuring out things like getting car insurance, buying a house yes. or a condo. Like you're, you're figuring out real world stuff when mm -hmm. for most of your life, like it, it, you've been in high school, you've been then in college where you're a scholarship athlete and you haven't had to think about those things for the most part. There's a real world adjustment going on for these guys. And mm -hmm. with Hertz now is in the second year, but fourth offense in four years. And then, like you said, think about where you were at 24 or 25. Like I didn't come out of law school and immediately start trying like, circuit court jury cases See? like they had me at like red car hits blue car and it's a five thousand dollar bench trial in in pg county district court yeah. court room 167a on a tuesday morning at 8 45 i remember those days <laughs> driving out to pg county in the morning because you know you don't throw people into the deep end of the pool you have to sort of learn these things and so exactly. there is a real life adjustment that we should understand is taking place and have some mm -hmm. patience with. And as far as Reese's point overall about Hertz, he's right. Like he missed a couple of throws and maybe that is going to be ultimately the difference between Hertz being the guy you win with and the mm -hmm. guy you win because of, but you could still go to the playoffs and win NFL games with the guy you win with. He mm -hmm. hit some tight window throws, the crosser to, to Devonta Smith 
yeah. third quarter. Yeah. Like, three defenders there. Mm-hmm. Put it right on the money. Like he made some good throws. Mm-hmm. He is showing you a little bit more each week of improvement. There mm-hmm. are still a lot of areas to clean up, like like his long completion early to Dallas Goddard. Right. He, he started to throw it, doesn't. There's mm-hmm. just throw it. Like the pocket's clean. Like he's still sort of bailing from clean pockets that you want to see him clean up. But again, like like practice some patience here. Ultimately, he might, he might not. We yeah. still don't know yet. And right. you know, I, I think we still have to sort of take some time to work this through. And I think it was nice to see, like you just mentioned, the back-to-back passes to Devontae Smith we saw in the third quarter, yep. like cr- like crunch time. Even though maybe the first half wasn't like as strong, we saw like when it really we, – we see this over and over. This wasn't the first game we saw this. Like he's going to fight to the yep. end, and he's going to put the team on his back if he needs to in crunch time, and he's going to show up, like show out. So it's like we're not seeing a bunch of blowout games. I think that's also something to take note of. Like this was a winnable game. Yeah. It came down to the defense who was piss poor, and I think they're to blame. So any, I just don't think anybody making up a, the excuse to blame Devon, uh, Jalen Hurts for this loss, that's not fair because at the end of the day, the defense was honestly – uh, the reason that we lost this game and uh, Jonathan Gannon. Do you think, I, I I wanted to ask you about this. I've seen some speculation that, that Hertz might be a little nervous, wound up something early in games, which is why we sometimes, and we've talked about it, right? Like the script that drives early, like when he knows he's going to be running, like those seem to be good. And then like second half, he seems to get stronger as the game goes on. As yeah. you mentioned, he's a very competitively tough kid. Like he, he's not going to give up, but it's like, you know, that, late first quarter, second quarter time rage where is he nervous? Is he pressing too much? Like, it seems like th- they got to figure out that portion. Do you, like, what do you yeah. think's happening there? I don't know. And I, it's interesting that you said that because we're going to touch on it later when we t- talk on um, the college football performance from this past weekend. But certain quarterbacks you see are like adverse, like they thrive when they're in the midst of adversity. and. That just seems like the type of player or team that the Eagles are right now. And it just seems like they don't start strong. Like they have to fight their way through. And mind you, they were in the lead in a good, good percentage of this game. But I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know if it's like feeling that like the pressure and the adrenaline makes him like ball out. I don't know. Yeah. But it just seems like it's something about like the adversity and really having to fight in order to bring that out of him, like to bring that like dog mentality yeah. out of him. And, and it makes me wonder, like I, I've seen this with other quarterbacks, like Mitchell Trubisky during his time in Chicago, like sometimes Matt Nagy would call like designed runs for him where it's like mm-hmm. clear, like they would just call like 18, 19 power where it's like me back when I was like nine, like you take the snap and you just run yeah. um, to get him sort of into the flow of a game. Um, I saw Nate Tice who does great work at the athletic, the athletic mm-hmm. podcast and, and elsewhere. He backed up Russell Wilson at Wisconsin. And he, I think told the story about how Russell Wilson was sometimes keyed up early in games and they had to do things to sort of get him into the flow. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's something that Nick Sirianni has to start thinking about doing like some design stuff or whatever it is to sort of get hurts to sort of get into the flow of the game, sort of get into the moment because yeah, that like 20 minute stretch where it's like the last five minutes of the first quarter and the second quarter, like we, we've talked about it a couple of weeks now. It's like, he, mm-hmm. get, cause he's good early. Yes. He's good late. It's like that 20 minute window. You need to see better. If yeah. there's something that you can do to sort of iron that out, that would be great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but what else did you see? Well, I wanted to touch on the defense because yeah. I thought um, it's piss poor. And, you know, I've said that before, like seeing how they were not able to execute and like hold it down. Like if the offense is giving you like this opportunity, you got to give them something. So yeah. seeing that the defensive linemen like zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, zero QB hits. And we're in week nine. And a lot of these players are not rookies. Like they're not yeah. young players. It's just unacceptable. So I think that's something to mention. And you already, I think you already touched on it, how the defense allowed a fifth uh, QB this season to complete 80 or more passes in a game. Unacceptable. Yeah. Like I, mean, I don't know what other way. Like you, it's kind of like, it's a team effort. So right. yeah, uh, there were things that Hurst has to fix. Yeah. But I feel like, the defense has to show up also in order to contribute to the win. Yeah. I mean, I think you're exactly right about this defense and it's, it's weird. I'm having these like weird Jim Schwartz flashbacks because yeah. you're watching this defense and whether it's cover three, cover one, cover four, whatever coverage they're in corners are playing like six, seven, eight yards off. You're giving them, you know, easy throws in front of you. You know, the idea is, you know, you won't get beat over the top. You'll rally downhill and make tackles, but you know, even early, like there was a third and seven, you've got them backed up on their own four yard line and you run cover one, but you've got the corners at one by seven. You're just giving them the throw in front of you. Any NFL quarterback is going to take that all day. Like, yeah. and so that's a problem. You know, a lot of people have pointed out that it's very sort of static mm -hmm. on the drive when they went down the field and won. I don't think they blitzed once. Nope. It's just, we're going to drop and we're going to keep everything in front of us. Okay. Well, if we started to carve you up, Maybe just mm -hmm. once to just change things up to give Justin Herbert something to think about. Maybe one blitz, like yeah. one, just one, maybe one, yeah. just one. I mean, that part of it is frustrating. And then the sort of inverted cover two stuff that, that you know, teams, I inverted cover two is where you show a single high and you've got two guys down and then right at the snap, the two guys that are down bail deep and bring the one guy down. So you you show cover one, cover three, and then you invert it from mm -hmm. inside players going outside to, to run cover two. There was a third down conversion to Keenan Allen where they were in that inverted cover two. And it just – I understand why teams like to run in this sort of a change of pace, but you don't really confuse people with it. Mm -hmm. You really just get guys running awkwardly making these weird rotations that they might not be, you know, fluid at doing. So mm -hmm. that's a frustrating thing to see as well. The, the defense has been frustrated. A lot of people are yeah. frustrated with Jonathan Gannon, and I think rightfully so. Now, maybe from his perspective, he's like, look, this is the personnel I have. This is what we can do. I really just kind of want to try to maybe simplify things or whatever. It's not working right now. Like, yeah. it, 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 it works, sure, against Jared Goff, but, yeah. you know, my cats could call a good defense against Jared <laughs> Goff. So I, I, I wouldn't hang my hat on that. I yeah. think you look at the results from Sunday. You look at the fact that, like you pointed out, what, five quarterbacks this year with an 80% yes. percentage or better? Like no numbers goodness. don't lie. These are just numbers. Like yeah. it's not like we're pointing stuff out on field. These are just numbers. And we were literally talking about last week how Justin Herbert, the past two games, was not looking like himself. And then he right. comes out and he looks amazing. Like yeah. 32 of 38, 356 yards, three touchdowns. And um, I saw according to Pro Football Focus, he had the quickest time to throw from week nine at an average of 2.35 seconds. So I think we made him look too good. Like we allowed him to like channel that, I don't know, but 
Yeah, and and that's that that time to throw. That's part of the thing when you're playing guys seven yards off. Like yeah. it's catch and throw. Like you're not even reading stuff out. Like yeah. at least if you put guys in press alignment, yeah, there's a fear you might get beaten over the top. Mm-hmm. But it takes a little bit longer for stuff to work. It's, yeah. Like if you've got if you're a receiver, you got a guy in press alignment. Like it's going to take you an extra step or two to work yourself free. Like hitch route, slant, whatever route you're running, it's going to be, you don't get that free release. You might have to mm-hmm. sort of do a you know, stutter step off the line or something. Quarterback has to hold it for an extra second. You might give guys up front time to get home. But if mm-hmm. you're at seven by one, you know, seven yards off, one yard inside or outside, depending on the leverage, and quarterback could just catch and throw, curl, hitch, whatever in front of you, you're going to yeah. get that slow snap to throw time. You're not going to give your defensive line time to get home. All there's – turn it into do it is two steps put the arms up and try to knock something down mm-hmm. it's all it, it's it's sort of not working like even if yeah. you're worried about getting beat over the top make them earn it make them yeah. earn it yeah yeah and and herbert his average depth of target on sunday was like 5.6 yards <laughs> by comparison justin fields last night 15.6 yeah. like yeah. it's two different worlds and if, if you're just able to throw quick stuff underneath because they're playing you so off Mm-hmm. You'll take that and complete 80% of your passes and work downfield. It was way too easy for him. Yeah. It definitely should have been way more aggressive. But, I mean, hopefully they learn from this. They watch the film and something's got to give. Like, they got to do better. Hopefully. But, look, you're going to get Teddy two gloves this week. Yep. Who yep. is more than happy to throw downfield. Yep. More than happy to throw short. Like, whatever you mm-hmm. take, whatever you give him, he's going to take it. So, yeah, you got to figure something out. And let's touch on that. I mean, we're heading into week 10. Like I said, uh, we're heading to Denver. Uh, the Broncos are five and four, and they are coming off of a huge week nine victory over the Eagles division rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. Like they completely smacked them in the mouth. Like yeah. it was just wild. I don't think anybody expected that. Teddy Bridgewater uh, finished 19 of 28 for 249 yards, a touchdown, and he had a rushing touchdown. So both sides of the ball it was just a complete win you saw both sides of the ball showed up and completely embarrassed the cowboys so i don't know what to expect i'm a little nervous going into week 10 yeah i mean a couple of things to think about one this is a game at denver okay yeah. and my my wife's side of the family used to live out in the colorado area and i would tell you from traveling out there like you want to fly out like tuesday to get mm. used to it because the altitude is a factor like okay. Just I, I remember we went to just go to Red Rocks, not mm-hmm. for a concert, just to visit it and walk it up. I mean, I was obviously out of shape, but of course I was winded okay. by the time you get up there. And so that that is something to think think about. Yeah. This was a very physical defense. Now, yes. Dak Prescott touched about it, you know, talked about it after that game. He said, look, they were extremely physical up front. They were physical in the secondary. You watch, I, I do each week for for blogging the boys, a, a Dak mm-hmm. watch video where this week I broke down 10 plays from Prescott. And okay. a lot of them, the throws were on point, but the defensive backs, Fuller, Hairston, others, yes. they were very physical at the catch point. Like, yeah. you know, Fuller had one pass break where he comes sort of up through the pocket because okay. it's a high throw to like sort of break it up. There's another one where Hairston comes over the top. They were physical. They were challenging receivers at the catch point. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to be quick with reads, with throws. You're going to have to be crisp with ball placement. Like they're mm-hmm. going to attack the catch point. They're going to come after you up front. And then offensively, like, Loaded, you know, 
Yeah, they they have extremely talented weapons. You look at Jerry yes. Judy, who's back. Tim no, Patrick is quietly one of the better receivers in the game. I agree. He had the vertical touchdown against Trayvon Diggs. Like, th mm -hmm. this is going to be a big challenge. I mean, this is a Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, Javante really Williams. Yes. Like, those guys can run the football. Javante Williams left yep. nothing more than to run right through your face. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very physical team. And, yeah. you know, it's going to be a challenge to go out to Denver and win this one. Don't let the record fool you. Like, oh, no, no, this no. Is, this is a. This is a team that's going to get after you. Yeah. And one of the like big storylines that was going around is how like people thought that with Vaughn Miller gone, right. they were going to struggle. But uh, outside linebacker Jonathan Cooper stepped up and played tremendously. He led the team with four tackles, had two QB hits, two sacks, and his first two sacks were like of his NFL career. So clearly, yeah. like that shows you like they're not missing, like they're not out and done without Von right. Miller. Like they have other young, talented players who are are going to step up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Cooper had a fantastic game. I think a lot of people thought, oh, they're trading Von Miller. It's They're punting on the season. They're getting ready. Yeah. No. I mean, and yeah. you look at the NFC West. Yeah. Kansas City is struggling. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. the Chargers just won, but, you know, they lost two straight. You look at the Raiders, that's, mm -hmm. you know, a whole other situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The AFC West is winnable from Denver's perspective. Yeah. You know, it, so yeah, this is going to be a tough one for This is definitely going to be a tough one. Yeah. Compared, my mindset compared to like going up against the Chargers, like I had a feeling like, okay, we can, like, we can put up a fight. This game, I'm not as confident just based off of seeing how they dominated week nine. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see like what the Eagles do, if any changes they're going to make. Um, Offensively, yeah, I, mean, I think they might, you know, they're going to, I think they're going to struggle for sure because we know, like we talked on the pressure, on pressure, but defense is going to be, they need to switch something up. Yeah. I mean, you, like we talked about, we talked a lot about the off coverage stuff. Like you might want to get guys into a little bit more press alignment. Like you, mm -hmm. you might want to say, look, okay, you might beat us over the top, but I, I we'd rather you in a, you can think about it philosophically a couple of different ways, but at this point, given what we've seen, yeah, mm -hmm. if you're going to beat us over the top, like, fine. But that's a tougher throw. It's a tougher thing to read out. Like, you've got to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Better that than, like, just giving you seven yards at a pops of thanks to seven yards of cushion. Now, honestly, you, you see teams, what, what they're doing against Buffalo, what they're doing against the Chiefs, right? They're, mm -hmm. We're going to play too deep. We're going to give you that stuff underneath because we're so afraid of that. Yeah. And it's been working against those te two teams. Mm -hmm. But it hasn't been working for the Eagles defense, so maybe it is time to, to try something out. So I don't even know what to expect for this game. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's a chance, though, because you sometimes see this in the NFL, even college level, team loses a game, but they mm -hmm. play well, and it's against a superior opponent, and it almost is like a jolt that's like, look, we're not that bad. Like, we're, like, we're we can not. play with these teams. Like, yeah. Do you think there's a, there's a chance we see that kind of effect from this loss? I mean, I think anything is possible. I mean, it would be nice to see that, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Yeah. And say like I'm expecting that to happen because yeah. It just continues to be like a, a area of concern. Yeah. I mean, I, in football as in life, it's always a good lesson to not get expectations <laughs> up because then yeah. you won't be disappointed. Yeah. And I, I say that as a as a dad that is dealing with the, the effects of daylight saving time and the time switch because <laughs> man, it's been a rough couple of days. Especially Sunday morning because the cats get fed at 7 a.m. by, oh. by the kids getting out. Okay. So at 6 a.m. I had 
paws to the face. Like, oh where's our food? Because they don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been a struggle for everybody. East, struggle. East Coast dads are struggling right now. <laughs> East Coast dads. Oh man. So um I'm excited. Uh you suggested, you know, like yep. we touch touch on some college football. So I'm actually actually yep. really, really excited to um talk about like what we saw from one of the most highly anticipated games from this past weekend. We saw Liberty versus Mississippi a showdown between two top 2022 QB prospects. So I know you want to talk about this. Uh, so let's just dive right into it. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was literally like the game, right? Like, yeah. and I think every team had representatives there. I think Denver had like five people there <laughs> from their front office to watch this game because, yeah. you know, whatever you think, or, you know, whatever you're thinking about or writing about or reading about this, this 2022 draft class of quarterbacks, like, you're going to get to Matt Corral from Mississippi and Malik Wellis uh, from Liberty pretty quickly in your evaluation process. And a lot of people sort of build this as QB one battle, right? Mm -hmm. One of these guys might be QB one and we've seen similar games, right? Like a couple of years ago, Joe Burrow versus Tua Tungo Iloa mm -hmm. uh, down at Alabama. Um, Burrow won that game. He ended up, you know, winning, you know, the national championship. He goes first overall mm -hmm. last year. You saw fields versus Lawrence. You saw mm -hmm. fields versus Jones. You know, we got a sort of a potential look at these two guys. Um, Matt Corral played efficient. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he's he got this, like, sort of throw in motion that reminds me a lot of Lamar, right? Okay. Lamar's okay. got this, like, low-release point and kind of just yes. the, the wrist flick from the air. Corral sort of has that as well. Okay. Um, moves well in the pocket. Um, a lot of questions about Matt Corral will come, I think, from an offensive scheme standpoint because Lane Kiffin does a lot of creative stuff that you might not see on an NFL Sunday. Okay. Unless you really sort of borrow from his playbook. But I thought Matt Corral played really well. Malik Willis struggled. You know, he, he threw three interceptions. He had one in the end zone late when he was trying to make something happen. The one that sort of concerned me was the one he threw early when he faked the screen on the smoke screen to the right side and then tried to hit the vertical route mm -hmm. a little bit late and he got intercepted. It was a long throw. But what worried me about it was if you look at his game against Middle Tennessee State, I did a okay. video breakdown of it. He threw okay. three interceptions of that in that game as well. One of them was on a very similar concept. It was a four receiver, like over unbalanced thing, but it was the same, like pump on the screen, throw the vertical. Okay. And that safety read it and jumped it. Okay. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And now yeah. he's making the same mistake on the road against Mississippi. So, you know, quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. I want to see if they learn from them. Mm -hmm. You know, this is an example where, you know, he can still try to make that throw. He has the arm to do it, but got to be a little bit quicker because that safety just read his eyes. And so a lot of people, their takeaways were Corral had the better day. Maybe he's the better guy. Willis yeah. is certainly talented, mm -hmm. but the developmental curve, it might be like yeah. a two to three year curve, right? Yeah. yeah. And I looking at the stats, uh, Matt Corral finished 20 of 27 for 324 yards and had a touchdown. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, Malik Willis finished 16 of 25 for 173 yards. Like you mentioned, three interceptions, and he was sacked nine times. Nine times. And seven of the sacks, seven of his sacks were from the first half. So yeah. one of the biggest things I saw from this game was how it was a tale of two halves. And kind of like we were touching on Jalen Hurts, you saw how he faced adversity because he could have been down and out. Um right like bad but he kept fighting the entire game so that shows like the type of player he is the type of leader he is um liberty was down 24 to 0 midway through the third quarter so the yeah. fact that 
I mean, it wasn't like a super, super close game. Like they didn't battle back all the way, but he never stopped fighting. So that shows like that's that's something to take note of. But he really like was a, a threat when it came to like the running game. Like you could tell that they leaned on him heavily yeah. in the running game. Um, he's, he's incredibly athletic. Yeah. And, you know, you see plays from him where, you know, you sometimes you talk about process versus results, right? And we talk yeah. about it with her. It's like, yeah. you know, you make a great play, you're scrambling, you run around, but stay in the pocket and make a throw. Mm-hmm. You also can see that with Willis where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, if you just sort of hands in the pocket, it makes a throw. That'd be great from a draft valuation standpoint, but mm-hmm. it's hard to ignore the like, okay, well, once he bailed the pocket, yeah, he's bouncing off defenders. He's yeah. got incredible contact balance. Like it, it you got to take, you're going to need two college guys, three college guys to sort of get him to the ground. Sometimes yeah. it keeps his eyes downfield. They can make throws on the move that are eye popped in, and, yeah. you know, a, a team's going to take a swing on the upside with Malik Willis in the first round. I was mm-hmm. on a lions podcast last weekend and they were like, well, we've got to pick at the end of the first round. Do you think he'll be there at 29 or so? Cause they have the Rams first round pick. Okay. No, no, uh, he's not going to last that long. Like yeah. he may, and we've talked about this, you know, this might be a quarterback class where, the quarterback in a vacuum on your big board for whatever team is graded out as like the 25th best player, the top quarterback, mm-hmm. you're going to have to draft him at five. You're going to have to draft him at seven or wherever in the top 10 because of the positional value. Like yeah. it's as we're, this entire show is dedicated to the positional value of the quarterback position. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you probably can't wait. You're going to have to draft one of these guys early and and hope that you have a plan for him. But Willis is incredibly talented. The mm-hmm. arm talent is like eye popping off the charts, incredibly mm-hmm. athletic. It's just, I think a lot of these guys and, and with Willis, you might not be ready to start them week one as a rookie. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how you were talking about how it might take him a little bit longer to get developed. And like we talk about with Jalen Hurts, you see those similarities and you see, but you see this a lot when it is those type of quarterbacks, these mobile, like they're super athletic, like they lean on their legs. That's their, like yeah. they're that dual threat. But a lot of times they struggle when it comes to like their arm. So it's just interesting because you see it a lot when it comes to those type of quarterbacks. Compared yeah, you're, to you're exactly right, Rachel, because I can guarantee you at every time, every time he's walked onto the field, Malik Willis has been the most athletic guy out there. Yeah. Like maybe it wasn't the case Saturday, but mm-hmm. every other game he's probably ever played and that dating back to peewee football, he's been able to run around and make these kinds of plays. Yeah. But then when you get to this, you know, SEC level of a competition or certainly next year, mm-hmm. when you get Vaughn Miller chasing you down, like it's a different <laughs> story. And so the athleticism will help you. You can lean on it. It will buy you time literally mm-hmm. and figuratively to either read stuff out or create but you know eventually you're gonna have to learn like okay i'm not gonna be able to just pull it down and run every time like i can do it you know certainly you know a good chunk of the time but at some point i'm just gonna have to hand in here and read stuff out and make a throw he's got the arm to do it now it's filled in the sort of reading stuff out ability and you know he'll get there like i'm not worried about that it's just a question of if you're an organization that's going to draft malik willis in the first round how patient are you going to be like if you're a team that's ready to be extremely competitive now, mm-hmm. maybe you go in a different direction. Yeah. But if you've got like a, like Detroit, mm-hmm. like if you if you're clearly like on a two to three year rebuild schedule, mm-hmm. draft Malik Willis, start to build in around him and develop him, and you know you've got some time to play with. I'm hearing some similarities. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There are a lot of parallels here, Rachel. A lot of parallels. But no, I, I think that I'm excited that we t- touched on this. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we get, start going forward, as we start sort of pivoting to draft talk, we'll be doing 
more of this gentle listeners. And so, yeah. you know, we'll get some people on to talk some draft too. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. But the Eagles head to Denver, like we mentioned. They're going to play the Broncos on Sunday, mm-hmm. November 14th at 425 p.m. So a little bit of a later game. Um Immediately after you guys know the drill, we do the BGN instant reaction show. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Interact with us. Leave us your comments. Leave us your questions. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media, like I mentioned. And we will be back next week to talk Eagles ball. So any last words, Mark? Well, nothing but this. Go Eagles. Go Eagles.